how powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Once upon a time, there was a man, but not like every other man. This man was celibate because he was a monk, but he met a very unfortunate fate, and it had nothing to do with never having sex. This is the story of the Phantom Monk of Tennessee. Hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Haints. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And this is our first live as we go recording. It is truly. We're face to face for the first time in a long darn time, man. Since February. The ghost just moved something off the wall. I didn't touch it. I swear. I have. I swear this basement's haunted. Probably. Yeah. We're in my basement and we are bringing you a bonus episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And we are both very slap happy because Diana's <laughs> just driven across the country and I've driven my kids all over Atlanta today. So whole day of driving for both of us. So in the spirit of being slap happy, we're bringing you a story of a man whose bones were boiled alive. Ooh, alive? Well, no. But oh. I mean, don't bones live for a little bit longer after <laughs> the body? Your bones continue to grow. <laughs> your bones, your bones. <laughs> well, I know your eyelashes and hair do, right? I think that's a myth, right? Because it's actually when your skin dries out, it recedes, so it looks longer in comparison. I don't know. We could ask our zombie friends. Mm, True. Yes, exactly. But we're not talking about zombies today. No. Talking about a ghost. Those are two separate things. Indeed. Yes. And this ghost is the Phantom Monk. Now, you heard us talk a little bit about this back in season two when we interviewed Miranda Young, the ghost biker, 
And we've done so many crossovers with Miranda and Chris of Soul Sisters Paranormal. They both have their own investigation teams, and they both recently acquired a haunted jail. <laughs> I like acquired. <laughs> <laughs> How does one come by a haunted jail? Well, these are very lucky ladies up in northern Tennessee. That's the Scott County Historic Jail. And you can go up there and do your own investigation. There's also public investigations, very affordably priced, and there's a hotel near by so you can go do an investigation in a haunted jail in pitch darkness with cocoa with cocoa they do provide hot cocoa and tea and <laughs> coffee if you'd like which is very sweet especially if it's a cold february night like mm-hmm. it was when i was there mm-hmm. but anyway the reason we're bringing up miranda is because she is had, also from tennessee well she's also from tennessee so. yes thank you and she also investigated the bathtub where this monk Lost his skin. Once you listen to this episode, if you have not listened to that episode, be sure you go back and listen to the season two episode, The Bathtub of Bones. Let's go back a little bit and tell you the story of the Phantom Monk. Let's. The reason I love this story is while a lot of children are learning stories such as Thumbelina and Three Blind Mice, I was learning about the Phantom Monk. You're right. Those are the stories I was learning. This was a story that I obsessed over. As uh, you could probably guess, I'm one of these people that's always loved ghost stories. Uh, Yes, I guess that about you. (laughs) Listeners. (laughs) And folklore and anything spooky and dark and macabre. So this was one of my favorite stories. And I actually first learned it by reading the book 13 Tennessee Ghosts and Jeffrey. And how old were you? Well, I could read. So I must have been six or seven. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Scary. I still have the book upstairs. (laughs) The story is in there, but it's all over. It's I wouldn't say it's a well-known story in Upper East Tennessee, but it's a known story. There are definitely going to be people who've heard of this story. And I loved this story so much because it just seemed like such a perfect, beautiful hospital corners type of story. Like everything just tucked in and fit so nicely. Once you learned all the pieces. Okay. We're going to go to a small town called Charleston, Tennessee. Charleston, Tennessee is not a very big town. It's pretty small. It only has about 700 people in it. Oh, that's very small. Yeah, it's very small. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you might notice if somebody went missing is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it sits on the Hiawassee River, which is... Midway between Knoxville and Chattanooga. Oh, I thought you were going to reference somebody's neck. Oh, no, no, no. no, Next this time. Once upon a time in Tennessee, we actually had trains. I mean, we do now, but now they just carry coal and lumber. Mm -hmm. But there was a time when they were passenger trains. Oh, spiffy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, people didn't have cars and shit. So how else are you going to get around? We had passenger trains. And then for some unknown reason, they got rid of them. There's tracks everywhere still. Tracks that are unused, tracks that are overgrown. But passenger trains do not exist in East Tennessee. However, there were trains that ran back and forth through Tennessee, East Tennessee, in the 1860s. 1850s and probably earlier than that. We're going back to 1867, two years after the Civil War. There was a train traveling to Charleston and a storm broke out. Now, this doesn't sound so bad, right? Just a storm. Storms in Tennessee can be very fierce. There was a storm that was taking place, massive, brutal storm. 
and the river flooded, the Hiawassee River. Well, the train went on a bridge over the river. And the train plunged into a ravine next to the river. And what happened was the rain caused so much moisture to soak into the soil and the flooding river combined that the soil started to give away. And it started to fall away from the tracks near the river. And so then the tracks were no longer on the ground. (laughs) So they kind of like went (laughs) into the ravine. Like the scariest roller coaster. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No good. (laughs) And so plunged into this ravine and the train operator had no chance to stop it. Like they couldn't even see what was going on. The rain was coming down so hard. So they didn't even know that this was until it was too late. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Why couldn't it be a train full of coal? Right. Well, town of 700 people, they heard the screams amidst the thunder and the rain and the rising waters of the river. So they went running and everybody came to help out. Well, Charleston has, Charleston had one doctor, town of 700. So he ran over to help townspeople pull people, the dead, the injured people that were stuck out of the overturned cars because the cars turned over. Mm. It was really messy. And he did everything he could to save as many people as he could. They had to make makeshift morgues and little hospital areas. And he was having to triage. And of course, not everybody made it. One doctor, hundreds of people on this train. Again, town comes together. They get the original um, passenger list for the train. They go through, they make sure everybody's accounted for, and they call relatives and whatever they can do. It's 1867. Mm -hmm. But they did their best to make sure that everybody was accounted for, except one. There was one body not accounted for. Uh But people didn't realize this until about a week after the wreck. Word had traveled that this wreck had happened. So a man and a woman show up to Charleston saying that their brother, they were a brother and sister, and their brother, who happened to be a monk, had been on the train. He was a Franciscan monk. Franciscan monks have like the brown cowl robe that they wear. And um, of course, as a monk, you know, you're probably always having rosary beads. Mm-hmm. He would have been very, very recognizable. Would have stood out. True, true. Mm-hmm. So they thought maybe he had gotten off before the stop. And then they started questioning people. And there were people on the train that were like, yeah, I I remember seeing them. I don't remember him getting off. So it started to look really suspicious. But they went to look at that casualty list of all the bodies that had been listed, and their brother's name wasn't on it. So there was no body to account for. They already accounted for everybody they had. Right. So they're thinking, well, he must have gotten off. We don't know what's going on, but... His name wasn't on the casualty list. So they eventually went home hoping he would show up. Well, he never did. Mm. It's as if he disappeared into thin air. Now, interestingly enough, while the brother and sister were in Tennessee, they did try to talk to the doctor. 
You're like, well, maybe he remembers. I mean, our brother's pretty distinctive looking. Not a lot of Franciscan monks traveling through rural Tennessee. Right. I don't think I've ever seen one in my (laughs) life. And I lived there for 17 years. (laughs) So they're trying to get a hold of the doctor to talk to him. However, the doctor is nowhere to be found. Oh, no. The doctor had to go on sabbatical because saving hundreds of lives had been so grueling. Yeah, I bet. That he needed a break. So he just left town. Okay. And took a good long vacation, probably a month or two. Sounds like it was well-deserved. So months later, doctor comes back. He looks refreshed. His eyes aren't as sunken. He has a skip in his step. And he also had a new item in his possession. Hmm. At the time, in the 1860s, It was quite a status symbol for doctors to have a skeleton in their office. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You see, skeletons are very expensive. I'm still using mine. Exactly. I would charge a premium. (laughs) And the doctor had been talking for years. Friends recounted later that the doctor had talked about wanting a skeleton for a very long time. (laughs) It's just been spreading it around in case people were Christmas shopping. I guess so. <laughs> Boy, if I only had a nice skeleton like Dr. Jack does. Oh, man. Dropping yes. some hints. Yeah, he didn't He didn't hide it. So anyway, when he comes back, he's got a skeleton. And everyone's like, oh, okay, sabbatical. Maybe you were moonlighting or something. You finally earned enough money to get a skeleton. So the story goes that he showed it off to everyone. Like everyone who came in his office is like, look at my skeleton. Look at my skeleton. (laughs) Don't you love my skeleton? Isn't it nice and shiny? Diana, I'm sure you've worked with real skeletons in the past, right? Yeah. My landlord had one that he wanted me to take from him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) In a weird turn. Yeah, that was strange. When when I rented my place, he was like, here, you can have this with the space if you want. It's a business space, of course. He opens up his closet and I'm like, there's a skeleton in the closet. Wait a minute. (laughs) Was it it a real skeleton? It was a real freaking skeleton. I was like, no. Please don't tell me the story behind this. He's like, let me tell you the story behind this. I tried to block out the memory, but basically he ended the story with, and now he's yours. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) No, I must go. There's no room in the car. Goodbye. Oh, that was scary. No room in the car for a skeleton. (laughs) There's already two in there. No no more room. Um, Yeah, that was frightening when he opened up that closet. I was not expecting like human remains. It was it was a shock. <laughs> wow. That's disturbing. He wanted me to take it back and set it up in a prominent location where I could say, do you want to see my skeleton to everybody who came in? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently he had something in common with this doctor. <laughs> Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? 
so powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. He shows off his skeleton. He's very happy. Look at my skeleton. Okay, life goes on. More townspeople come in and out of the office. Look at my skeleton. Okay, doctor. So this goes on and on and on until finally he retires. Dude, that much time passes before anybody goes, hey, where'd you get the skeleton? There's a guy missing. (laughs) So he has a long and fruitful career showing people his skeleton. Yes, exactly. And and then he quote unquote bought. (laughs) That he bought. After he saved up enough money. So fresh and shiny. It came on a train. I mean. uh. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, when he retired, he sold his building and his practice to the Newtown doctor, Dr. McClary. Who got the skeleton with it. See, he found himself in the same predicament I did. The landlord was like, listen, this is yours now. I don't know. I think he was really proud. He put a lot of work into that skeleton, as we'll learn. I don't know. If but he why would he need it if he's retired? If I his know. grandchildren come over, he can be like, look at my skeleton. I know skeleton. exactly why he needs it. Never mind. That was a dumb question. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I resent that. Okay. Of course he needs it. Yes. Well, anyway, Dr. McClary comes in. Again, small town. I mean, it's 700 people now. I don't know what it was in 1867. Right. Probably still 700 people. These towns have a tendency in not changing. <laughs> so when people came in, they told him all about the old doctor. That's all anybody could talk about. The old doc, old doc, old doc, old doc, this old doc, this old doc had a skeleton. You don't have a skeleton. Old doc took his with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Dr. McClary, says the townspeople, this office is haunted. Ooh, I bet it is. Dr. McClary, he's a medical man. He shrugs the stories off. Besides, I bet I could get my own skeleton if I wanted to. Oh, oh no. And the cycle starts over. <laughs> and now well, there's 699 people who live in this town. <laughs> so Dr. McClary, it's recorded, started telling people that he started having some problems in the office. Imagine that. Not like electrical problems. He'd think there was an intruder or he'd think there was a patient or somebody had shown up after hours. That's the worst when you forget that one of the patients is in one of the rooms and you just go to bed and you hear these bare feet padding down the hall. (laughs) Hello? Is the doctor ready to see me yet? That happened to my mom once. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's so polite. She didn't get up until they turned the lights off. (gasps) All right. Well, anyway, Dr. McClary, he would be in a room and he would see, you know, that frosted glass. He would see what looked like a figure passing by, Mm. a figure in a hood. That's how he described it. Or he would see somebody sitting in the waiting room and he'd run out and nobody was there. But mostly it was like he would see someone moving back and forth in the waiting room or a room he was not in. Okay. So he would see them as if they were pacing back and forth, this strange hooded figure. But whenever he would go into the room, they disappeared. So you can see why he thought it was patient or someone that was forgotten about because it would be in another room. You're like, oh, crap. So (laughs) not only did he see this hooded figure, but he also heard this sound 
It sounded like, he said it sounded like glass marbles being rubbed together. Well, he kind of just grew used to it, which is what happens when you live with a ghost. He eventually retired himself. Time goes on, just like the old doc before him. He just got used to the figure and the sound. Dr. McClary retired, and in 1932, Cruz came to demolish the building that he worked Hmm. in. Because, you know, it's old at this point. And as they tore down the walls, they found in the walls the plaster in one of the closets. A monk's habit and rosary. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Right there in the practice. Well, where else are you going to put it? So he didn't even leave town? He was like, I'm going on vacation after taking care of this train load full of injured people. He never left. He was there hiding inside the practice the whole time. I don't know. I don't know. Or I'll teach just, yeah, I don't know. Nobody knows. Very creepy. Yeah, very creepy. One wall of the building still stands, by the way. It wasn't the wall with the habit in it. Otherwise, they never would have found it if you'd put it in the correct wall, Becky. Uh Oh, no. So, you can probably figure out what happened. Yeah, there's coincidental shortage of bodies. (laughs) Coincidental (laughs) random Franciscan monk's habit in the the wall. (laughs) The plaster. Of this guy who just happened to find a new skeleton. One thing we do know now about this is the doctor had to strip the skeleton of its flesh and muscles and tendons and fascia and hair. and Pretty much everything, yeah. Eyeballs, yeah. nose hair. Especially the nose hair. That keeps growing after you die. I know. What's yeah. that space between your toes called? I'm sure it has a name. The webbing. <laughs> interphalangeal space i don't know that sounds good yeah i forget i forget all of it all of it had to go so the doctor used a bathtub (laughs) yeah put the monk's body in the tub and then set about the painstaking mid-19th century task of stripping the body of everything but the bones now i'm guessing he used some kind of chemical or else he just went at it like chicken dinner. chicken dinner. He could have. It did take a month. So yeah. I think if you just pour some acid on it, it wouldn't take so long. So where where was the bathtub? Well, now the bathtub apparently is in somebody's house. Oh, creepy. That's right. Yeah. It was in the doctor's house at the time. And it was a beautiful claw-footed tub. Oh, nice. And that episode that we spoke to with Miranda was about her investigation of that tub. <laughs> And yes, she actually has evidence that she saw the monk in that investigation. And she said she got the feeling that he was there to look out for her and to help the other spirits around him. Probably. I mean, that's probably why he decided to be a monk. Probably. Yeah. He wanted to help people. Miranda's not the only one who's seen the monk still to this day. The monk is still seen wandering the train tracks along where the train crashed. So he finally left the clinic. That's nice. With three walls gone, I guess he was like, oh. I can get out now. Thanks, guys. Yeah, he's been seen in multiple places. Sometimes he goes, he's at the bathtub. Sometimes he's wandering the tracks. Sometimes he is seen around the area of the original office. 
Charleston is not known for its proliferation of Franciscan monks. When people around there see a monk, they know who it is. So, Becky. Yes, Diana. Importantly, do you think the doctor murdered the monk, or do you think the monk died in the train wreck and the doctor just kind of slipped him into his... Took advantage of the situation. What what would he slip him into? I mean, I guess there's a whole lot of people in this Mm -hmm. clinic. It's probably a pretty small clinic. He's probably like, I can take some of these people back to my lake house, like, with a nice bathtub. (laughs) I think that's probably what it was. He was Mm. like, oh, I'll use part of my house as the morgue. But you don't think he committed murder? So, when I was a kid, it's interesting you asked that. When I was a kid, I was convinced he had murdered the monk. Because that's what you were told? Was that the urban legend of the time? Or just that was your feeling? That was just my feeling. Okay. Now, as an adult, I know that the consensus is this is a good doctor, other than the fact that he stole a body. But in general, he's a good doctor. He didn't murder anybody. And I think it makes sense. Like, he just saw somebody that he thought nobody was going to miss. Monks don't have next of kin unless they're siblings. Well, Diana, thank you for letting me tell you the story of the monk. Thank you for telling me. I'm still fascinated by this. I wonder, how did nobody look into this for generations? (laughs) Literally generations. It's like 70 years, right? Right? (laughs) Remind me not to go through Tennessee on a train. Although with the quality of the roads in Tennessee that I just drove through today, I understand why everybody drives a truck now. My car was shaking. (laughs) I was frightened. I see why you might even risk a train going through Tennessee, even though I think it's definitely likely that you'll have a spooky day. Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kielimnik and Diana Doty and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kielimnik. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com slash submit. Whether you want a laid-back trail to hit with friends or you're planning something more adventurous, All Trails Plus is your guide to making the most of your time outdoors. Get outside today with three free months of All Trails Plus with code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. Wait, are you gaming? On a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook.